thousands of Americans are losing weight and feeling better with the 10 Tuna Chew weight loss system from ilikehowilook.com. Here is U.S. Army Sergeant Dave Myers. Since I started taking the Nuvina, probably, I want to say 60, 65 days ago, I have lost over 12 pounds. I have a long military career, and it has caused some issues with my knees and my ankles over the years, and I have become accustomed to just being in pain with one of those areas. I can only attribute the way I feel to the Nuvina because that's the only thing that's changed in my diet, and I am absolutely pain-free in knees and ankles, and it just feels great to be able to get out and run around and move pain-free again. The Nufina Collagen Protein Shake is part of the 10 2 and a Chew weight loss system from ilikehowilook.com. Collagen feeds the joints, hair, and skin. This could help you lose weight, feel better, and look younger. Watch the video on ilikehowilook.com and get the full story. They even offer free samples. Go to ilikehowilook.com. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks. And good afternoon. Chuck Moore speaks Monday through Friday, 10 till noon. Eastern Standard Time here at the USA Radio Networks. Welcome to the program. I want to welcome aboard my good friend, Dr. Samuel L. Blumenfeld, the author of NEA, Trojan Horse in American Education. The whole language, O-B-E, fraud. His latest, the crimes of the educators. Sam, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Well, it's good to be with you, um, Chuck. Um, by the way, my new book, Crimes of the Educators, is now available on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Nobles, and um, WND Superstore. So anybody can buy it now. Before The publication date is in April, I think April 14th. And uh, so, But they can buy the book now and read it and um, comment on it. And I look forward to the comments. But, of course, the big well, news today... Well, it's a great today, book, Sam. The big yep. news today is the win by Netanyahu in the Israeli election. Uh, Lee could yes. won uh, 30 seats out of 120. The second party, the um, Herzog party or the Labour party, the Labor. won 24 seats. And actually, the third largest um, party were, were the Arabs. And, Correct. Um, but, and then, of course, there are all these smaller parties with whom um, Likud will have to join in order to create a um, a a government but it, but it's interesting that um, by by way of the israeli system the likud party did not get uh, a majority uh they have to rely well, Sam, on you know, other smaller to... parties that uh, believe basically in the same principles but with slightly different um points of view and i guess that's, that's well Sam, israel has a they have a parliamentary system and um as such there has never been a, a, a an election where one party got a majority even under ben-gurion 
the, uh, right. the Labor Party did not get a majority. So that's that's simply how a, a, a parliamentary system works. But it was a great victory for Netanyahu. Oh, yeah. He uh, had all of the leftist forces, not only in Israel but around the world, trying to oust him. It was almost a takeover of the state of Israel. I think Israel came very close to losing its sovereignty. They would have become a part of this sort of, you know, transformation that Obama talks about, just like we are here. Hopefully we'll get back our ability to function in two in one and a half years. But uh, it was also a direct repudiation and humiliation for Obama because oh, Congress absolutely. right now, the U.S. Senate, both Democrats and Republicans, I might add, are investigating charges that Obama directly was involved through and the Democratic Party in helping Israel's up op- in helping Obama, uh, Netanyahu's opposition. I mean, they actually were pouring money in. They were sending aides in to help them campaign. You had George Soros writing checks. Uh, this was a major effort to get rid of Netanyahu, not only because he humiliated Obama with his speech before the U.S. Congress, but also because, uh, you know, he's too little too much of a nationalist. Uh, he is, uh, you know, not going to be weak when it comes to dealing with that Israel's enemies. And I think that the Israeli people woke up and realized that they resented the idea of these foreign forces who are not favorably disposed to them meddling in their internal affairs. Now, having said oh, yeah. that, I'd also point out that there's a misconception around uh, the the uh, the Labor Party uh, headed by Isaac Herzog. They are not either about if he was elected, I wouldn't have been that concerned. I mean, it would have it's nice to see Obama get his nose rubbed in the mud, but it, uh, it they would not have given in to any any concessions either to the Palestinians. I mean, people have a misconception. They think, "Oh, he's on the left. He's going to be so nice and he's going to play footsie with the Palestinians." I don't think so. In fact, uh, you know, uh, Netanyahu's been criticized for saying, and thank goodness he did say it, that under his watch there will be no more, there will be no additional Palestinian state. Uh, but uh, Herzog basically said the same thing. I mean, he said, "Well, we negotiate with them. We still support the two-state solution. However, we don't really think it's ever going to happen." And I don't think that Labor is about to. Would be at all be in a position where they would have sold out to the Palestinians either? Well, I agree with you. That was a very significant statement for Netanyahu to have made about there is not going to be a Palestinian state because he knows yeah. that Hamas would fill the void, Hamas would take over, and so they would have to go to war anyway with them. And uh, also, you know, uh, are you familiar with Carolyn Glick's book on the one-state solution? Oh, yes. Excellent. Uh, And I think he goes along with that, that they finally will have to uh, uh, accept the uh, Palestinians as Israeli citizens and uh, will manage to maintain the Jewish majority demographically. Uh, indefinitely. The interesting thing about all of this is that, you know, when uh, when the Jews when left Gaza, 
uh, and uh, they turned everything over to the uh, local people. That was the first time in history that I know of that the Palestinians were ever given sovereignty over a significant piece of real estate in that region. And the uh, Gaza Strip is not an insignificant piece of real estate. It's about the size of Manhattan. And as you know, the settlers in Manhattan you know, turned it into the most valuable piece of real estate on earth. And the Palestinians could have done something wonderful with that piece of territory over which they had complete and total sovereignty. That has never happened before in history. And yet, look what they did with it. They decided to declare war on Israel and use Gaza as just another... Uh, uh, you know, stepping stone against uh, uh, Israel. What an incredible! Uh, you know what they say that the uh, Palestinians never, never lo- lose a chance to lose uh, an opportunity. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's something that's not at all es- doesn't at all escape the attention of Israelis across the political spectrum. I mean, unless you really get the far-left communists, who, by the way, are part of the Arab coalition uh, inside Israel. I mean, it's sort of a you know various Arab parties plus you know the really hardcore secular, but but they they don't amount to anything. I mean, I'm talking about the mainstream liberal side. They're just as they are fully aware. You know, they've got sons and daughters in the army. You know, they've got an investment in that country, and I think that people in, in this country, you know, Obama and other squishy liberals. Who live out in the, uh, you know, the safe suburbs of you know the wealthy, the top one percenters, they, they don't have any idea what it's like to live in Israel and to be invested there. You know, Sam, I remember when Shimon Peres became prime minister of Israel, you had people on the left cheering and thinking, "Oh, we're finally going to see Israel give concessions to the Arabs. They're finally because yeah. they got a liberal, a, a left winger." But three three months after Peres became prime minister. There was a missile strike that emanated from Lebanon into northern Israel, and he responded vigorously. He sent the army in, and they completely obliterated the site where the missile came from and the entire cell. And at the time, liberals were shocked. Oh, how could this be? Shimon Peres, Nobel Peace Prize, you know. And he's a sh- and Peres was asked about it by a reporter, and he said, "Listen, I know what war looks like, and this is war." So, I mean, you know, a liberal, yeah, it's one thing to be liberal, but in Israel, you know, the, you know, he's got a stake in the country. He's spent most of his life there. He's got children and grandchildren in Israel. He's got, you know, his life is there. He's invested. He's got skin in the game. He's not going right. to surrender anything any more than, than anyone else. No, well, the, the, the Likud party is the realist party. They realize, you know, right. they, they understand what... Uh, Iran is all about. They know that Obama is trying to make a deal with Iran, that Obama would like to have a detente with Iran, uh, despite the fact that Iran is now uh, conquering um, uh, um, uh, Iraq, uh, conquer, has, has, uh, has taken over uh, Yemen, uh, and, uh, you know, is on the march. 
the Iranian Shiites uh, are at, at really at war with the Sunnis, and that this will go on for quite some time. And um, so there's that reality which Obama is completely oblivious of. He's not oblivious. He understands it because, you know, Valerie Jarrett was born in Iran. Her parents were right. Americans who were working in some sort of hospital there. And uh, so she spent her first six years there. She speaks perfect um, Farsi. And she's had a very direct hand in having Obama warm up to the Iranians. But, you know, they haven't backed away from their decision to um, destroy Israel or to um, uh, continue supporting Hezbollah and Hamas. And, you know, the Iranians also were responsible for bombing the Jewish community center in Buenos Aires. And they may even yeah. be responsible for the murder of the, uh, of the Jewish uh, attorney who was investigating that yeah. and was ready mm -hmm. to present his materials to the Argentine government. And all of a sudden, he's dead, shot through the head. And there was not a, nobody believes it was suicide. So the Iranians are, um, you know, not the sweet little people that uh, that is the government. It's not this benign organization that Obama seems determined to make a deal with. And um, right. and I think another major reason why Likud won was because of Obama's reception by the U.S. Congress. I mean, the Israeli people realize that their prime minister was very famous in Washington, and also uh, that there were more, more uh, there were even Democrats who were more in favor of uh, Obama than they were of their own president, like like Hernandez. And um, so they understood that they had a real winner uh, in uh, in Netanyahu and put him back in the driver's seat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Plus, it's kind of, I mean, it's a, a bit delicious, if you will, to watch how Obama has even avoided congratulating Netanyahu. He won't call. You know, it's like so bitter. Yeah, isn't that something? I mean, usually uh, the uh, you know, president will call anybody who's won an election. Of course, of course. But not right. in this case. <laughs> Search engine rankings can make or break a business, and not ranking on page one is guaranteed to cost you money. So why not rank before you pay? That's right. You get ranked or you don't pay. Did you know over 80% of online shoppers never leave page one? And companies reaching page one status can and do make more money. So where does your business rank? Are you turning clicks into cash or are you handing it to the competition? Increase your exposure, increase traffic, and maximize your online footprint with RankBeforeYouPay.com. Enter your domain name and let Rank Before You Pay start moving you to the top. Rank Before You Pay, the performance-based SEO company, is fully results-driven, eliminating your risk. It's a fact. Search engine rankings can make or break a business, and not ranking on page one is guaranteed to cost you money. Visit RankBeforeYouPay.com, enter your URL, and start turning clicks into clients today. 
Visit rankbeforeyoupay.com. Rankbeforeyoupay.com. That's rankbeforeyoupay.com. Some restrictions apply. Offer valid in select cities. Hi, I'm Joan London. When I needed to find senior care for my mom, I really struggled to find the right fit until I found an advisor, someone who had been through this before. That's why I recommend A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. They have experts who will help you ask the right questions and find the right place. Call A Place for Mom today. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-469-7591. That's 1-800-469-7591. A Place for Mom has helped over 200,000 families find the right senior care for their parents, from assisted living to independent living, even Alzheimer's care, and have local advisors that can help explain your options at no cost to you. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-469-7591. That's 1-800-469-7591. Call today. How many more times is he going to need to come home drunk or high before you realize that unless he gets professional help, things are never going to get better? How many more times is she going to steal from you to pay for her habit before you finally admit that you need an expert to help you get the treatment she needs to get her life back on track again? At the American Drug Treatment Centers, we specialize in helping you and your loved ones conquer the demons of addiction. Whether it's drugs or alcohol, our network of centers are ready to help you get the loving treatment your husband, wife, or child needs to get his or her life back. If you've been asking for a sign or a direction on what to do, then consider this ad an act of fate. Call 800-461-3594 today for the real help you need to make real change. Again, 800-461-3594. That's 800-461-3594. 800-461-3594. Owning and caring for a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Tune up the furnace, clean the gutters, remodel the kitchen. Whatever your home improvement need, Home Advisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, plumbers, whatever type of home pro you need. And Home Advisor is absolutely free to use. At Home Advisor, you can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area and because home advisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home they conduct background checks on their service professionals it's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used home advisor go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project that's rebuild.homeadvisor.com <laughs> Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much. And the Sam Blumenfeld's here. We're talking about the issues of the day. And in this case, we're talking about the great victory uh, by um, Netanyahu in Israel. And uh, again, I think this is a, uh, a, a move really toward Israeli sovereignty in the real sense. Um, well, you I, I know what was interesting about I mean, all of this is yep. that uh, prior to the election, everyone was saying how close it would be. And and that Netanyahu might even lose the election, or Likud would lose the election. And yet he enjoyed an indisputable triumph. Uh, 
according to yeah. high rats, you know. And they don't particularly he care did. for him. But um, but no, he actually had broad support. And so that was quite a, a surprise that he did so well. Everybody was expecting something much closer. So... I and I that, think that yeah, was the, all the left-wing media. I think that was all propaganda. Oh, yeah, the left-wing media was pumping him up, you know, this, oh, you know, it's, they try to create this aura of inevitability that he'd lose. And, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's it reminds me of, um, I, I know this is like a, a local thing, but when Mario Cuomo was running for re-election in New York and he lost the election, which shocked, you know, people, um, there was all this talk. He was like 20 points ahead and... And and the plus there was this insinuation that if he if he loses there's going to be blood in the streets and and this sort of thing, but he did lose big time. So you, know, you can't believe that what, what you hear. I mean, they try to create this aura of inevitability. It's a classic propaganda approach and tactic. Right. But it's interesting that Netanyahu even won against Naftali Bennett who was uh, yep. supposed to be the old conservative alternative, you know, the economy right. minister, uh, who was supposed to be the bright light and the crown prince of right-wing uh, leadership. Sure. And uh, he went down to defeat, you know. So, uh, But he said that he was glad that Netanyahu won. I mean, he... Um Oh yeah, yeah. You know, he that was, was important. I mean, he wasn't he disappointed. His people the conservatives are still ahead, yeah. and um, Merritt's uh, people did not expect Merritt to do well in the election, but um, they lost practically. Um, they had a devastating uh, result, and then of course you had uh, the Foreign Minister Avigdor Lieberman's party, his Yisrael Beitenu. And um, but uh, yeah, he's he's he's, he's a guy that's what, saying what, that. Um, let's see, he had six seats, uh, won six seats, which is I guess respectable. It's more than more than a none, and uh, yep. so the uh, election had many interesting side effects uh, with the Shas party and the um, etc. And uh, but it showed that Israel is a very vibrant democratic society, you know, with exactly. the uh, Arabs having actually gaining the third largest number of seats, and of course um, they are totally uh, disloyal to um, Israel. And most of the Arab uh, Knesset members are there as That's right. as fifth columnists. But yet, uh, Israel is is willing to tolerate it uh, in in the name of democracy. But also, Haaretz is is uh, speculating whether or not the United States will ever veto an anti-Israeli uh, move at at the UN. Whether Obama will cease to use the U.S. veto. What do you think is going to happen there? I don't know if Obama has the nerve. I don't think he would dare. Um, he obviously would love to, but I'm not sure that he's going to go that far. You know, there's too much. Uh, Israel, we should remember, still generates too much support 
in the United States, both from Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives, left and right. And, uh, you know, Obama, I think he'd love to toss Israel under the bus, but I, I don't think he has the, the political strength to do it, actually. Well, that's true, and he would certainly then lose a, a huge Jewish vote. I mean, he, well, I just so don't think they, as, I mean, just... um, refused to use the veto in Israel's um, behalf, that would be terrible. That would be a terrible well, blow. Well, already you have an, you have you've got Republicans in Congress standing up and saying that if Obama signs an unlawful agreement with Iran, that it would be rendered null and void by the next president, um, mm-hmm. you know, unless uh, the Senate has the right to advise and consent. And that's that's a pretty unprecedented move. I think yes. that that shows that Obama. You know, to my way of thinking, this is a great challenge to Obama in the last year and a half of his presidency. And now yet another one has come down the pike. That is the victory by Netanyahu. What was that? The victory by Netanyahu is another great Oh, yes. Yeah, that, that's a... Turn down that radio. If this sounds familiar, you know it's time to address your hearing loss. But custom hearing aids can cost as much as $5,000 each and are not covered by Medicare. The good news is MD Hearing Aid offers medical-grade, FDA-registered hearing aids for savings of up to 90% over traditional hearing aids. MD Hearing Aid was founded by a Chicago surgeon determined to develop a hearing aid that was technologically advanced, simple to use, and most of all, affordable. Call 1-800-485-4408. You'll speak with a trained MD Hearing Aid professional who will match you with the best hearing aid for your needs. Over 100,000 satisfied customers have already made the call. Call right now for our exclusive 45-day risk-free trial and get free shipping and a year's worth of free batteries, a $50 value. But you have to call right now. Call MD Hearing Aid at 1-800-485-4408. That's 1-800-485-4408. This report is brought to you by the 60 Plus Association. Seniors living on fixed incomes may soon face a 60% rise on their energy bills in accordance with the EPA rule coming this summer. According to a recent study by Energy Ventures Analysis, the U.S. will face an estimated $284 billion annual increase in power and gas costs for residential, commercial, and industrial consumers beginning in 2020. The increase would result from the administration's proposal to regulate carbon dioxide emissions from U.S. power plants, reducing the use of low-cost coal-based electricity while Gas prices climb higher. Jim Martin, Chairman, 60 Plus Association. Fluctuating energy costs are difficult for any budget, but especially for seniors living on a fixed income. What we need is a balanced solution, one that reduces environmental emissions without damaging the economy or the electric grid. With the EPA rule coming this summer, we need to make our voices heard. For more information and to find out which states face the most risk, visit 60plus.org. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. So Sam Blumenfeld's here. Sam, again, I think that this victory by Netanyahu is once again a check in the international sense on the uh, power of Obama and what he stands for, this this kind of transformation into a um, government by fiat, this uh, sidestepping of, of, of constitutional prerogative, of uh, self-rule, of sovereignty, and this move, uh, which I think has been 
not only a foot literally in the past several decades, but that's a darker side of human nature, toward rule by an oligarch, which basically right. is yeah. that of an elite, you know, an elite that thinks they know better than the rest of us. I mean, Obama wants to rule by executive degrees and has done so. And once again, he's been slowed down in an unexpected from an unexpected source, and that is Israel. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, it, it also proves to the world that Israel is a democratic state, you know. But um, what's interesting now is that um, the Democrats are in a dilemma now with, um, you know, with, with uh, uh, Hillary's Hill. emails. You know, and you know it's worse than that, Sam. The real scandal now to uh, get um, Warren uh, to run on. I her think place. that the Democrats are the Democrats are terrified over the scandals that have I been know. swirling around the Clintons. What to do? But uh, you know, it's been swirling around the Clintons, as you and I know, since they started. They've always been just one step ahead of the law. The whole right. thing with the press conference reminded people of back in the day when the Clinton administration was basically you know, hit with a, a different scandal every week and that there was always this coming out you know, and, 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 and talking double talk and, and trying to rely on their liberalism to get them through, whether it be you know, the Rose Law Firm records or Travel Gate or you know, the, you know, the Whitewater Gate or all the other Hillary Gate. I mean, it was uh, you know, it was just one scandal after another, and the real story here is is actually the fact that the Clinton Foundation has raised almost two billion dollars, and the question is whether or not Hillary used her position as Secretary of State to shake down corporations and foreign governments for donations, and uh, that's really what's going on here. I mean, the Clintons did it while they were in the White House. They'd set up the Clinton Library at $10 million. They got a free house. They got all this personal benefit from the office. They did it when Clinton was governor of Arkansas, when he put Hillary on the board of directors of every corporation in the state, including Walmart. And those those were basically, she got to go to a fancy dinner once a year and get a big check. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's the cattle gate. the big chicken company in in, in uh, that's right in yeah Purdue in, in Arkansas. No, yeah, they Purdue, all the put her on the they is that right? Oh, uh, Tyson. It's Tyson. Tyson, chicken. right? Tyson. Yeah, they chicken. put they put her on the pay, they put her on the uh, board of directors, which is a lucrative thing to get. Yeah, so she could go to a meeting once or twice a year, you know, and, and have a big dinner. I mean, this is the Clintons have always done that. I mean, they've personally benefited from their office. You know, they would. The only reason they're forgiven, and and the only reason that everyone looks the other way, is because they genuflect to the left. If they had right. been conservative, believe me, they would have been long gone. They would. Have, they know their calling card. They probably would have been hanging from a dungeon somewhere if they were conservative, and behaved like this. You know, so Clinton is relying on that same sense of uh, entitlement that uh, since she goose steps to the left and genuflects and bows. That she's going to get this same pass, but the Democrats well, you know, are nervous this a, time after a, all these decades. Of Saul Alinsky, I mean, she's been oh, an sure. admirer of his since she was a, uh, um, 
you know, and, uh, and the Washington Post says in states with the first 2016 primaries, Democrats ask, where's Hillary? Defender Chuck Morse is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Morse Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Morse speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the, the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to usaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on-demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Have you ever had a piece of chocolate cake call you into the kitchen? Has the Dairy Queen sign ever forced your car into the drive through lane? Have you ever had a bag of chips dive off the counter right into your hands? Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby, speaking for the ILikeHowILook.com website. Chances are, at some time in your day, you have been and will continue to be the victim of cravings. I like how I look dot com website realizes that you can't hide in your closet all day just to avoid snack attacks. That's why they recommend the Ten Two and a Chew weight loss system. Ten Two and a Chew offers powerful natural appetite suppressants to put cravings on the run. To see a video explaining how it works, just go to I like how I look dot com. They will send you a free sample. Most people notice a difference the very first day. It's much easier to lose weight without those sneaky cravings, so watch the video at ilikehowilook.com. That's ilikehowilook.com. Chuck Morse Speaks And we're back, Sam Blumenfeld's here. So, Sam, basically, the um, the latest Hillary scandal is leaving uh, Democrats very uncomfortable. Um, it's it's been an act that's been going on for so long, a fraud that's been pulled over the American people for so long that they're they're just afraid that the American people at this point cannot possibly be so stupid 
that they would buy this after all these decades of this fraudulent couple. Like they're like a couple of vampires sucking off of the public, you know, for their own gain and, and their own ego trip. Well, uh, and I and, think and what it's is just really not enough. Yeah, what is really disturbing are these foreign donations are coming from oh, all yes. of these Arab states. I mean, uh, that, I that's sort of um, very disturbing that they would take that money and use it. It just shows that they have no principles, that they are, oh, uh, you know, just money-hungry, money-grubbers. That's what they are. And, yeah, but Sam, uh, nobody expects anything more from the Clintons. The problem is that Democrats, you know, they're worried that this time around with the weakness of Obama, and now the victory of Netanyahu and, and one victory after another, the midterm, that, that Hillary is not going to be able to depend upon this sense of being on the right side of history, so all is forgiven. There's a feeling exactly, that, uh, exactly. that this and, time and around it, it just isn't going to fly. Of course, a lot depends on who runs in the, Democratic, uh, in the Republican Party. And, of course, Walker is getting an awful lot of... Um, a good vibe from uh, Republicans because he is becoming very popular. And Donald Trump is is also thinking of getting into the race. So uh, it's going to be very good. And, of course, uh, Jeb Bush is a factor, but he'll never win because Uh, he's pro-common core. And he represents the uh, establishment. Jeb, not only does Jeb Bush represent the establishment even more so than the other Bushes, but uh, I don't know if you've seen him on the. I mean, I saw I saw him in New Hampshire. The uh, C-SPAN ran a, um, a a a meet and greet that he conducted, and he just doesn't have the personality that uh, George W. Bush had. I mean, George W. Bush was likable. People liked him. I don't think you know Jeb Bush is gray and bland. I don't think he has the smarts. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, proof of God in heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via his universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much, Sam Blumenfeld's here. And uh, Sam, we're talking about the uh, the race at this point. I mean, I, I just don't think that Jeb Bush or Hillary are going to be there, in my opinion. Hillary well, yeah, is just too battle scarred from really uh, not. Uh, they don't. No. Well, Hillary, of course, is, is disappointing the uh, Democrats in a big way with the, her foundation and uh, the acceptance of all of these 
these donations from countries like Algeria. Can you imagine taking money from Algeria? Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, right. What did they get in return? I know, really. <laughs> That's as and, low and like as you Qatar. could get. You know. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and of really. course, uh, uh, Jeb Bush is just an, another a, a big government Republican. And and uh, he is. He may and, not and, be and a member of the skull and bones, but he certainly has the the same. Well, frame he's of in that mind. camp. Oh yeah, he's he's definitely CFR all the way, and he doesn't uh, and he doesn't have the personality. I mean, I just think that he's too gray. He's too dull. I don't think he's. Right. I don't think he's. I think he's a lot dumber than the other Bushes, frankly. And right. uh, yeah, he just. Uh, I just don't see it. I mean, I think that. Uh, you know, it's like a weak, you know, link to the family there. Uh, at least George W. Bush had some connection with people. People actually liked him. He was, he was, uh, yeah, that's part of politics. You have to have some charisma. I mean, Bo- George W. had charisma. I don't oh, think George yeah. Sr. did, no but he was, it, he you was, know. you know, with Reagan, so he was okay. But uh, this one doesn't seem to have it. I mean, I'm yeah. not, nothing personal. I mean, maybe that, maybe that could turn out. I mean, I certainly would support him over over a Democrat, but uh, and he wasn't a bad governor of Florida either. They say that he was fairly conservative in his governance. Well, yes, I mean, you know, you don't have to do much to be conservative these days. You know, you, I don't know if right. he lowered taxes, whatever. Uh, he said he improved the schools, but but the improvement is very minor yeah. compared to the, the kind of improvements that really are needed. And also there are rumblings going on among Democrats. You take, for example, that public schoolers now are in full rebellion against the standardized tests. And this is taking place among uh, left-wingers, among so-called liberals, among public schoolers. They're disillusioned with Obama completely. They're disillusioned with Arnie Duncan they're disillusioned with the, they're totally against common core and so that yep. puts them very much in the same position as conservatives i mean it's a very in sense, interesting yeah. situation and here's Rahm Emanuel which is struggling who is struggling to get oh, reelected yeah. as mayor of chicago so the democrats another are one, in another big trouble. another domino falling another yeah. domino falling you know all the old hack Liberal left Democrats are, are trembling in their shoes, Sam. <laughs> I mean, I don't I know. know. Maybe I sound too optimistic. They're, but, they're in total disarray, know, this, and uh, that's why uh, Warren may very well step in. You know, Oh, that but, would be a disaster for them. I mean, I hope she does, because yeah. people, when, once, they get, once you lift up the lid on that one, and you, well, I mean, I don't think that, you know, yeah. not at all. They despise her. She really? won't meet with them. Oh yeah, <laughs> they, they're angry as heck at her. Oh yeah, that they've come out. They're angry as you know what, because of her claims. I mean, she claimed to be a Native American to get tenure at Harvard, and at, right. and and she and to get jobs at uh, UPenn, and she really isn't. And by even uh, the conventional definition of um, of affirmative action, which is almost this uh, Nazi-like standard, where they check how much blood you have. You know, the native. She doesn't meet the oh. standard, and so she thus denied a position to a real Native American. Yeah, they, they don't like her at all, and she won't even talk to them. She won't even go near it. 
Oh, that's interesting. But uh, so th- that's only part of her problem. I mean, she's a multi. She's got the same Hillary problem: the complete hypocrite, limousine liberal, multi-millionaire who took enormous amounts of money from the millionaires and billionaire corporations that she rails against to in order to screw women out of their settlement for uh, for toxic shock syndrome by Dow right. Chemicals. She was hired by them. You know, she's a fixer. She's an insider. She's a complete hypocrite. I understand that you had Dr. Kishore on your program. Oh, yes. And he came on my TV show, too, Sam, and you're invited as well. Once I get my schedule set with them, the TV show is happening. In fact, I'm meeting with them later this week, and I'll let you know. But, yes, I'd love you to come down oh, and yeah, uh, do an hour with me. Oh, yeah, I my book on your TV show. You bet. You bet. We'll hold it up. Great. And that, that show great. is going to be up on YouTube. It's going to be national I'm getting people to subscribe to it from all around the country. You know, you just need to. You can even now, do have it online you had one you, show already the, done? I've only so far done one show, and that was with Dr. Kishore. And, Is that uh, on YouTube? That not, It's not yet. It's, it's in the can. It's being produced, but it will be. I'll let you know. We'll be right okay. back soon. The Fender Stratocaster, a guitar that changed the world. And now through Sunday, get it and a whole lot more at Guitar Center Stratathon. It's not just a couple guitars on sale. Buy any new Fender guitar, bass, or amp and score up to a $100 promo gift card. Get the lowest price guaranteed on all Fender Strats, Tellys, Jaguars, P-Bases, amps, acoustics, and more. Grab the Squire or Fender gear you've been dreaming of and get your promo gift card at Guitar Center Stratathon. In-store and at GuitarCenter.com. Would you wait several days for your cell phone to fully charge? Would you wait several days to feel the full effect of relief from your nasal congestion? Flonase Allergy Relief Nasal Spray could take that long. Ugh. But if you're congested now and you want powerful relief now, use Afrin No Drip. Afrin starts working in seconds uh. and keeps working for 12 hours. So why wait several days to feel the full effect? Uh-uh. When you can start to get relief in seconds with Afrin. <sighs> Afrin, powerful congestion relief without the wait. Use as directed. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks. Thanks so much. Sam Blumenfeld's here. And uh, Sam, uh, yeah, I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, in these few minutes, I'd like you to let people know about your new book coming out and where people can get it. Yes, it's now available, as I said, on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, and uh, WND Superstore. So they can get the book now before publication read it and even comment on it on you know on Amazon you can write comments about the book and uh, it's great you know by the way I really like what they did the cover is great they did a really it's, nice yes, job with a it. very nice cover oh you have a copy of the book well I have I have the galley copy but I've looked at it online and it looks great I urge people just to check it out take a look at the way the book looks I mean this is an important book this book could shake, could blow a hole into the whole rotten educrat establishment. You get into the history as always. You do a great job, a meticulous job of documenting everything. Uh, I've got to urge, I really urge people to check this book out. Yes, you know, a lot of people know about progressive education, but what they don't know is the conspiracy behind it. Uh, it's one thing to talk about, you know, having classrooms with uh, 
basket weaving and all of that stuff. But people don't understand that there's a very sinister uh, conspiracy behind the progressive movement to change America, to get rid of our constitutional republic and replace it with a communist society. And, of course, the model for that communist society was uh, Edward Bellamy's book, Looking Backward, uh, which is a fantasy, um, a fictional fantasy of a, of a communist America in the year 2000. So if anyone wants to know what a communist America will be like, all they have to do is read Edward Bellamy's book. That's right. And Edward Bellamy's brother or cousin, Francis Bellamy, was the one who developed the um, Pledge of Allegiance to the Flag. That's right. It had a different purpose back then. <laughs> irony upon <laughs> irony. Like uh, Rahm Emanuel now relying on Republicans to be re-elected in Chicago. Because Republicans are also frightened of the the opposition to uh, Emanuel, who is much worse. And they claim that Chicago went to Detroit. Bad credit card debt happens to good people. Credit card companies lure you in with low introductory rates or low minimum payments. And before you know it, you owe thousands of dollars in credit card debt. It has happened to millions of good people just like you. But here's the good news. Thanks to a powerful program now approved, anyone with $2,000 or more in credit card debt can cut their credit card payments up to half and even reduce or eliminate interest charges altogether. That's right. Our nationwide nonprofit program is helping U.S. residents cut their credit card payments. Call 800 991-6376 now. The call and information are free. Credit Guard has helped over half a million people with their credit card debt, and now we can help you. Call 800-991-6376 to see how this powerful nonprofit program can work for you. Bad credit card debt happens to good people. Get free of credit card debt today. Call 800-991-6376. That's 800-991-6376. Again, 800-991-6376. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pen and jot down this special number. Call 800-919-8536. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for much less money. Call 800-919-8536. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99. Best of all, there's no equipment to buy. You get free HDTV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch, when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials, and watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Call 800-919-8536. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut cost and get more. Call today, 800-919-8536. That's 800-919-8536. Again, 800-919-8536. A Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks. Thanks so much. Hour number two of Chuck Moore Speaks, Monday through Friday, 10 to noon, Eastern Standard Time, right here at the USA Radio Networks. Thanks for joining me, everyone. My guest of this segment is uh, Professor David Coates. 
He holds the World Chair in Anglo-American Studies at Wake Forest University. He previously held personal chairs at the Universities of Leeds and Manchester in the United Kingdom. He has written extensively on U.S. and U.K. public policy, comparative political economy, and the history of labor movements. His latest book is America in the Shadow of Empires. David, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be with you. David, the book um, America in the Shadow of Empires, um, what, from my understanding of it, and again, I don't have the book. I've read the reviews. Um, is that uh, in a nutshell, you seem to be calling for a phased withdrawal by the United States militarily um, in the rest of the world. I mean, you seem to be calling for a phasing out of American bases overseas, of American defense um, involved in nation building, and you specifically uh, cite the cases of Iraq and Afghanistan as bad cases of nation building, which I agree with you about. Uh, but... Uh, your views seem to me to be extremely conservative um, in that it reminds me of uh, a very traditional right-wing view of America's role in the world, You know, going back to uh, George Washington, that we should right. reach out a hand of friendship to the rest of the world, but yet not engage in, in entangling alliances. And, and also the post-World War II movement led by uh, Mr. Conservative, that being Senator Robert, uh, Robert uh, Taft, of Ohio, who called for the United States not to engage in international involvements, and uh, he was against America's entry into the United Nations. Um, w would that be an accurate depiction of your views from me? No, not not entirely accurate, I think. I mean, I do think this conversation has to, A, is needed about the actual role that America is currently playing in the world, and it has to be one, I think, that spreads across the political spectrum because there does seem to be a very powerful kind of consensus amongst most political formations in Washington that the United States is an indispensable nation in global affairs and it has therefore got a, a massive set of responsibilities to carry. And I think you know, it's worth, and of course in, in the detail of, of that on any one day, it's, um, it, you know, it all looks absolutely unambiguously so. So I think there's, you know, there's value to be had from just stepping back from the detail for a moment and saying, where are we in the global historical spread of things and how does our experience as a major global player compare to that of equivalents in the past and are there any lessons that can be learned? And I think the general lesson that comes out is, you know, the dominant politi political formations globally always in the end go into some process of decline and decay. And it's worth at least asking whether we might be approaching that sort of moment. And if we are, whether there aren't some sensible things we can do to scale back our global involvement in order to strengthen ourselves again at home. And so, I mean, I think I'm a little disturbed by the kind of hawkishness of that's going to build up again in the next presidential election round. I'm keen to say to people, well, can we yeah. just step back and think whether maybe a change of direction would be more appropriate. I think that, uh, you know, speaking as a conservative here and representing my own point of view, yeah. that the, the answer in a way is a, is a happy medium. I mean, I, I don't think that, I mean, I don't buy the, the, the really far right-wing view that's expressed by libertarians and people like Ron Paul and, and, um, and Pat Buchanan, which is really a, um, 
and which you seem to talk about, which is that American foreign policy and military should really stop at the water's edge. But at the same time, I don't buy into this internationalist, interventionist view that the United States needs to be the policeman of the world and that we need to intervene in foreign conflicts around the world either. Uh, so, you know, I agree to the extent that we can scale back in terms of some of the enormous expenses and involvements by our military and our Defense Department. But I do I say that in the context that we ought to scale back in, in all branches of government, not just defense. I mean, the, the expenses and the involvement and the regulation and the transfer of power to all of our branches of government has reached a critical mass, which I think is a much more systemic problem, one that you address partially with your analysis of America's defense, but one that I think needs to be addressed across the board. Well, I mean, I come at this obviously from a from a progressive standpoint. So there's going to, you know, there's going to be areas of overlap and areas of disagreement. And I think, in a way, that clarifies the actual conversation that we in America need to be having now about the strategic direction of public policy, both domestic and foreign. And I think what the book is trying to argue is two things really, which we don't tend to hear about. I mean, one is that the foreign commitments that we've made. I think now are undermining our domestic strength. And they were made in a position when, and we got ourselves into this global role precisely because we were economically and indeed socially the most advanced country in the capitalist block. And now we've, in the process of defending and protecting that block over the 70 years since the end of the Second World War, we've got, got ourselves to a point where that defense is becoming dysfunctional to us. So I think we've got to talk about some, this might be lovely. We could talk for a little bit this morning about the sort of consequences of the weight of that global role on our ability to handle things that, that we need to handle at home. But the other is, you know, my, my, this is a conversation for me as a first-generation American with an English accent, uh, which doesn't necessarily sit very easily on the ear of, of native-born Americans. But but why I think it's legitimate for me to say this to everybody, at least to ask them to think about it is that I lived through this process of imperial overreach and economic undermining. In the, in the United Kingdom that I grew up in after the Second World War, I've seen this thing once. It feels the same to me now, or very similar. And in both cases, you get very powerful voices saying, no, we mustn't retreat from any kind of global role. In the British case, we mustn't give up our colonies. We just mustn't. We're an indispensable nation. Mm -hmm. In the process, you know, we let Germany and Japan and France and other countries outcompete us so that our living standards in the UK went down relative to theirs. And I think we're at that particular position now where our global role is actually eroding the basic prosperity of large sections of the American population. It's a very strange moment. Uh, I think you draw a very interesting analogy. And uh, I mean, I, I think that, you know, we can't undo history. I would have argued that we should never have gotten involved in World War One. Something we had no business being in. It was we didn't have a, a, a horse in the race. Right. I mean, I would think that Britain and France were no better or worse than Germany in that war, but we did, and at that point we became international in our our policies. Um, as far as comparing the United States to Great Britain after World War II, yes, I think that's a great comparison. Great Britain after World War II shifted far to the left under Attlee with a socialist government. They began to develop a nanny state that was actually quite similar to 
the shift, I would argue, to the left that occurred in Germany with the election of Hitler and the nanny state there, and that the United States today seems to be shifting in that same direction. We are spending enormous sums of money, not only on, on, on overreach overseas, but domestically with a massive expansion in various federal programs and a massive movement on the part of our federal government to invade itself into more aspects of our lives. So I think there are parallels that I would draw between the two. Well, I'll draw some of those parallels, but not the others. I mean, the, the Atlee government and Hitler may both have been states with strong welfare programs, but only one of them was annihilating six million Jews. I mean, you know, I think what we have to... We've certainly got to avoid any, well, I mean, Hitler, any of collapse Hitler in our was, thinking of big government and fascism. And that, I mean, if that's well, the kind I, of way you want to go, I don't want to go that way with you. But no, I mean, no, no, in terms no, I would of, not compare. What well, I would let me, suggest right, is let, that Let me Hitler run the was, other one at you and see how you go with this. Well, I mean, well before we get into that, okay. that accusation, okay. because, I mean, you know, the Nazis, of course, were much further to the left in that they annihilated six million Jews in imitation of Lenin's annihilation of six million people before Hitler even got started. I'm not saying that Great Britain was at all involved in that, nor are we. I'm simply bringing the point up that this centralization of, of government, this managed economy, this invading by government into more areas of life occurred in Britain after World War II, not to the degree that it occurred in Nazi Germany, certainly not as, as much as Bolshevik Russia. But you have a parallel between that development putting aside issues of holocausts occurring in the United States. And I'm not suggesting we're involved in that aspect of it at all, nor Britain. No, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Can we then go back to your original point about that? May I just say one thing to you about that? Sure, please. I mean, I, I mean, the, I mean I, obviously I was born immediately after the war. My father was at D-Day and so on. So those guys came back having fought a war and didn't want to go back into the horrors of the 1930s. And though my father was a very conservative man himself and a senior police officer by the end, I mean, he always understood the importance of the existence of a national health service that enabled him to get free health care. And it was in no sense a nanny state in that way. But what happened with the Attlee government was the decision to hang on to sterling as a reserve currency in an attempt to hold the empire together as an economic unit. And in the process of doing that, as the economy itself coming out of the war was actually uh, depleted by bombing and underinvestment, they couldn't actually compete economically without and track finance into London without holding interest rates very high. So the, the 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 story you should take from the British, I think, is not that somehow a nanny state turned out and everybody went charging off to the far left. What we should draw from that story rather is that the price of trying to hold an inflated global role very quickly undermined the the ability of private enterprise revive itself inside the United Kingdom economy. And I think that's my worry now, that we're outsourcing so much of our production under the umbrella of our, of our military role abroad. And that's actually taking the guts out of middle-class wages and domestic consumption at home. And this is in response to that, welfare bills are going up, but the poverty is not created by the welfare bills. The poverty is created out of the undermining of the strength of the domestic American economy, and we ought to be talking about what's causing that and the role of our foreign policy in that particular exercise. And I think that those are points all very well taken with regard to the American economy, I would argue, being robbed by a massive tax burden on the middle class, um, regulations that are onerous toward the development of business, anti-business regulations, and uh, 
trade policies that basically do not protect American industry, which, by the way, is not the case in countries like Germany and Japan, which do protect their domestic industry. Uh, But your, your your example with regard to a scaling back of military, from what I've read, and again, I'll acknowledge I haven't yet read your book. I'm looking forward to doing so is that uh, you want to see it's more of a financial thing. I get the sense that you're saying that we're overextended in in the cost of maintaining uh, our international infrastructure and that you'd like to see the money returned to the United States where you would like to see it applied to welfare. And, no, uh, I'd like to see it applied to social infrastructure, on. actually. I mean, I don't know if you saw Larry Summers and David Wessel's exchange on, on net, uh, social infrastructure investment in 2013, which was zero. We're right now, we're not even spending enough money on our roads and bridges and ports and so on to keep them, uh, in, to put them on an improving trajectory. So my preference would be for a redistribution of resources, not into welfare programs, but into the establishment of a modern social infrastructure on which our industries can flourish again. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. My guest is David Coates. He's the author of America in the Shadow of Empires. We're talking to Floyd Wilson, who after years of struggling with being overweight, has had his jaws wired shut to force him to eat less. Floyd, how is it going? It looks like that's uncomfortable. Certainly I can see how that could help you lose weight, Floyd, but isn't it a bit extreme? You could have just ordered the 10, 2, and a chew weight loss system from ilikehowilook.com website, and all you would have had to do to lose weight is take a small capsule at 10 a.m., one at 2 p.m. They will curb your appetite and help you burn more calories. Then any time you felt a need for a snack, just eat one of their great-tasting collagen protein candy chews. You can learn all about it on ilikehowilook.com. They'll even send you free samples. Floyd, what are you doing with those wire cutters? Shouldn't you let a doctor do that? Go to ilikehowilook.com and check out the world's easiest weight loss system. Ask for free samples. That's ilikehowilook.com. Owning and caring for a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Fix the AC, build a deck, remodel the kitchen. Whatever your home improvement need, HomeAdvisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, remodelers, whatever type of home pro you need. HomeAdvisor is absolutely free to use. At HomeAdvisor, you don't have to search through a long list of pros. With just a few clicks, HomeAdvisor matches you with pros who provide the exact services you need. You can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area. Because HomeAdvisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home, they conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used HomeAdvisor. Go to rebuildhomeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. How many more times... Is he going to need to come home drunk or high before you realize that unless he gets professional help, things are never going to get better? How many more times is she going to steal from you to pay for her habit before you finally admit that you need an expert to help you get the treatment she needs to get her life back on track again? At the American Drug Treatment Centers, we specialize in helping you and your loved ones conquer the demons of addiction. Whether it's drugs or alcohol, Our network of centers are ready to help you get the loving treatment your husband, wife, or child needs to get his or her life back. If you've been asking for a sign or a direction on what to do, 
then consider this ad an act of fate. Call 800-461-3594 today for the real help you need to make real change. Again, 800-461-3594. That's 800-461-3594. 800-461-3594. Search engine rankings can make or break a business, and not ranking on page one is guaranteed to cost you money. So why not rank before you pay? That's right. You get ranked or you don't pay. Did you know over 80% of online shoppers never leave page one? And companies reaching page one status can and do make more money. So where does your business rank? Are you turning clicks into cash or are you handing it to the competition? Increase your exposure, increase traffic, and maximize your online footprint with rankbeforeyoupay.com. Enter your domain name and let Rank Before You Pay start moving you to the top. Rank Before You Pay, the performance-based SEO company, is fully results-driven, eliminating your risk. It's a fact. Search engine rankings can make or break a business, and not ranking on page one is guaranteed to cost you money. Visit rankbeforeyoupay.com, enter your URL, and start turning clicks into clients today. Visit rankbeforeyoupay.com, rankbeforeyoupay.com. That's rankbeforeyoupay.com. Some restrictions apply. Offer valid in select cities. Author, journalist, and American patriot. This is Chuck Morse Speaks. Thanks so much. My guest is David Coates. He's the author of America in the Shadow of Empire, also the author previously of Pursuing the Progressive Case and Models of Capitalism. Uh, David, you're talking about, I, I, you know, to put in a nutshell and correct me if I'm wrong, the idea, you know, looking at a, a, a sort of a, a retrenchment internationally of American military as a means of devising a peace dividend for the United States, one which would be applied toward the, invest, the investment in and development of modern American infrastructure. And uh, I find that to be very interesting. I mean, that's an old Whig position. I mean, that's, you know, the, the building of, of new ports and roads and bridges and airports. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that uh, there are examples of that which have been advocated recently, the XL Pipeline, for example. Uh, you know, there are other many uh, programs that have been suggested that would require public investment and, and in a positive sense. One of the problems we have in this country now, I think, is that the American people don't have a lot of trust in the government's ability to actually apply those funds to investing in infrastructure. I mean, we saw, for example, in the first year of the Obama administration, the government borrowed, I think it was pretty close to a trillion dollars from uh, the Federal Reserve and from investors, what they called the stimulus package which was supposed to go toward just what you're saying, the development of infrastructure. Very little of that money actually made it to, to, to those programs. I mean, the money just kind of vanished inside the government. Yes. I mean, let me say, if I can, three things to that. I mean, one is I think I'm one of the most conservative progressives I know. Right? So, I mean, I think that there's a much bigger overlap between various positions in the, in the United States and the political debate would ever lead you to believe. And I think one of our jobs, one of the benefits of this conversation as part of a bigger thing, of course, is actually to try and establish common areas of commonality. We both, it's very hard not to be in favor of improving the 
the, the transport infrastructure of the United States at the moment. That's number one. Number two, we'll do it later or, or if we time. But, you know, the whole argument in the book, when you get it, is that um, empires undermine their own economies as they pursue their global role. And the classic example is Spain running it down the Castilian economy under the weight sure. of its own taxation and its military adventures in Europe. And, and I think, well, that's the, the thesis I'm presenting to you here. And the only thing I think, thirdly, you have to be careful about is if you come into the conversation as you just did on the stimulus pointing to the inadequacy of government intervention, you've also got to remember that the financial crisis itself was a product of the deregulation of the, of the banking sector. And one of the things that happens in empires is the balance between finance and local industry gets out of kilter. And the only reason the stimulus didn't get the shovel-ready investment programs going, at least a major reason, was that so much of the political class demanded tax breaks for uh, the middle class rather than just public uh, publicly directed spending, which is what we would have been so much more effective if we'd done. So I think I understand the point that people don't trust the government here. And actually your own lack of enthusiasm for big public uh, spending actually plays into that. My view is that we do need an industrial policy in the United States. We've got one already that privileges agriculture and oil and so on and the export of jobs. And we need an industrial policy that does the reverse of those things. So I think we just, it's not, I don't think it's a problem of the scale of government. It's actually a problem of what the government's doing. The government needs to be redirected to long-term nation-building projects that actually leave us all stronger in the process. And the only thing we've got to be massively careful about, I'm sure everybody's screaming at me as I say this, is we've got to make sure we don't weaken our own security as we do so. And I think we can pull our global role back in a systematic and careful manner to keep our security intact if we redirect our resources to strengthening the economy at home. Well, first of all, I mean, the, the tax cuts that, that people wanted never came about. There were no tax cuts. Um, the, the money that was supposed to go toward infrastructure ended up going to uh, further buttress government, which was losing revenue because of the decline of the economy in 2007-2008. Uh, a lot of the percentage of the money, if you follow it, and I've done many programs on this where I've interviewed people, went to uh, grants to the state so that they could shore up their big government. They wouldn't have to cut back too much because of the slowing down of the economy and the loss of tax revenues. So, you know, I think that people fear that the monies is just going to go toward maintaining and further uh, uh, buttressing the, uh, the sort of what, what's emerging in this country, which is a ruling class. Um, and uh, their grants and their expenses, which uh, are, are rarely affected when an economy slows down. So I think that, that in order to have the infrastructure that you're actually talking about, which I agree on, um, there has to be a means by which the government could be reined in. And when that happens, there's a great hue and cry from the left. We saw what happened, for example, in Wisconsin when Governor Scott Walker tried to rein in the size of his government. All right, we're going to take another break. We'll be right back. Turn down that radio. If this sounds familiar, you know it's time to address your hearing loss. But custom hearing aids can cost as much as $5,000 each and are not covered by Medicare. The good news is MD Hearing Aid offers medical-grade, FDA-registered hearing aids for savings of up to 90% over traditional hearing aids. MD Hearing Aid was founded by a Chicago surgeon determined to develop a hearing aid that was technologically advanced, simple to use, and most of all, affordable. Call 1-800-485-4408. 
You'll speak with a trained MD hearing aid professional who will match you with the best hearing aid for your needs. Over 100,000 satisfied customers have already made the call. Call right now for our exclusive 45-day risk-free trial and get free shipping and a year's worth of free batteries, a $50 value. But you have to call right now. Call MD Hearing Aid at 1-800-485-4408. That's 1-800-485-4408. Hi, I'm Joan London. And if you're worried about your parent or a loved one living alone like I was and you want reliable senior care information, then call A Place for Mom the nation's largest senior living referral service. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. They had obviously researched every place, not just given me names. They found me a place for what she could afford, and it was magnificent. We're now very confident that she's safe, and they just helped every step of the way, and I can't thank them enough. So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, call a place for mom. This is a free service, and you can trust them to help you. If you're struggling to find reliable senior living information for your mom or dad, then call or go online to get the free help you need during this turbulent time. Call now, 800-469-7591, 800-469-7591. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thanks so much. And my guest is David Coates. He's the author of America in the Shadow of Empires. Uh, David, I find myself largely in agreement with your thesis with regard to the um, expense and overreach of our, of our military around the world. I would just simply expand the thesis to include the entire military-industrial complex, what um, President Eisenhower accurately called for uh, in his last uh, message, his farewell message to the American people, which has reached uh, a trillion-dollar infrastructure since Truman administration, uh, which includes massive spending and massive subcontracting. Uh, I would also apply it even further to other branches of the uh, executive branch of government, which have gone way over their original um, you know, mission, and, and the cost of it yeah. has yeah. become onerous. The whole thing is collapsing our society. I mean, I'll give one example, the Department of Education. We should abolish it. We don't need it. Has it, has it actually improved the education of a single American child since it was established in 1978? I think not. You know, I mean, these are all things that could be looked at. Well, I think they all do need looking at. Can I just say to you in response to that, I mean, I think the weight of the military-industrial complex is enormous. I think that we're agreed on that. And I saw that in the UK as well. You end up with a, a, a manufacturing sector, the best sections of which are making weapons, they're not making goods and services that, that ordinary consumers require, and that then gets outsourced somewhere else. And we've actually turned ourselves, of course, haven't we, from being the biggest creditor nation in the world to the biggest debtor nation in a generation with our trade deficit to China. So I think you know that we certainly need to pull back from the military-industrial complex and that's one of the reasons why I've always argued that we should do this in an incremental fashion, because that military-industrial complex, is, of course, is a source of many, many jobs. But we demilitarized ourselves after 1945 to a significant degree. We've done it once. We need, we need in a sense, to do it again. Uh, and the public policy should be 
focus on that and we should be talking about that. I, I don't think you might not like the Department of Education, but that doesn't sustain a massive military industrial complex equivalent. I mean, I think, in fact, we would do very well yeah, to take a serious look at our educational underperformance relative to our major economic competitors. No Child Left Behind was an attempt to address that, to try and push educational standards up, and that's a common response by governments across the industrialized world. You almost have to run just to stand still. But our, you know, our PISA performances, you know, the way we score on these international tests for 15-year-olds and so on, we're going backwards all the time. So, I mean, I would argue that we need a much stronger educational policy in this country, and we should be spending much more time talking about education than we are talking about military. We're rather good, actually, at developing military equipment. And the Pentagon, of course, is our industry ministry par excellence. But we need equal enthusiasm and commitment to our civilian needs, I think. And education is a very major part of that. Now, you and I, as I you know, conservative progressive, can talk about how we deliver good education, uh, right, whether exactly. the state should be involved or we should hand it over to somebody else. But we're both committed to better education, I'm sure. Yeah. And I think if the government got out of the business of education, uh, it would improve because parents of our, our sons and daughters who are in the public schools would have a say in the curricula. And, um, you know, the, the local school boards who are elected to make decisions about curricula, who also more often have sons and daughters in the public schools, and I'm speaking here as the father of a public school student in Boston, that, uh, that the education would improve. If, if the well, you know, I've got a son in the system too, and I, my wife's a teacher. So I mean, it's another it's a conversation for another program, I'm sure. But I mean, I think you know, right. okay. a lot of simple things are said from both the left and the right about education. Education is a very, very complex business, and teachers work really hard I think, to try and deliver for their kids. I'm always incredibly impressed by their professionalism, but they struggle for resource, and they also struggle against other, one other, can I say one other thing they struggle against, which we might take us back to our conversation about empire? I mean, empire has always experienced towards the end cultural decline, and the quality of, of the popular culture surrounding us now is horrendous and anti-intellectual. I, I agree with you there. We, we, need to, we need to look at that. You know, I think the teachers are pushing I, against the flood, frankly, and we won't solve it. In the I, I, I'm with you on that, David. We'll be right back. Let's take another break. Sorry about that. We'll be right back. That's okay. A truth talk. And you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Moore Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a Heavy 100 Radio Talk Host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Moore Speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the, the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to usaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on-demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. 
Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, proof of God in heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via his universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. This report is brought to you by the 60-plus association. Seniors living on fixed incomes may soon face a 60% rise on their energy bills in accordance with the EPA rule coming this summer. According to a recent study by Energy Ventures Analysis, the U.S. will face an estimated $284 billion annual increase in power and gas costs for residential, commercial, and industrial consumers beginning in 2020. The increase would result from the administration's proposal to regulate carbon dioxide emissions from U.S. power plants, reducing the use of low-cost coal-based electricity while gas Gas prices climb higher. Jim Martin, Chairman, 60 Plus Association. Fluctuating energy costs are difficult for any budget, but especially for seniors living on a fixed income. What we need is a balanced solution, one that reduces environmental emissions without damaging the economy or the electric grid. With the EPA rule coming this summer, we need to make our voices heard. For more information and to find out which states face the most risk, visit 60plus.org. <laughs> Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much. And uh, my guest is David Coates. We're talking about his book, America in the Shadow of Empires. Uh, David, you get into in your book, and I'd like you to uh, expound upon this, examples of empires throughout history, going to the Roman Empire, Tsarist Russia, Soviet Russia, Spain, that that uh, collapsed as a result, you contend, of military overreach. Um, can you talk a little bit about what were some of the commonalities historically of the collapse of those empires and what we can learn from that? Yes, I, thank you. I mean, that's what the book <laughs> attempts to do. I mean, the storylines are different, of course, in each case, but underneath there are some very common trends. I mean, one is, of course, that the, each empire emerges as a, as a strong force because of weaknesses in the world around it and, and as it then reconfigures that world and makes some of the peripheral areas strong again, the balance of power between the core and the periphery of each empire shifts and suddenly the empire is out, out competed by things that it once dominated so easily and I think that's one of the things that's going on with us now as we then the reconstruction of Germany and Japan after the war and now the arrival of communist China we were very much the dominant phenomenon economically and financially, and we're progressively now less and less dominant. And I think that's one of the parallels that we can draw from those earlier empires. But the other one, which I mentioned before, was that those empires, on much to a much greater extent than we, actually expanded militarily. The capturing of land was really vital to them. But we, too, have, as we said to each other, more than once this in this hour, got a very large military establishment that cost a lot of money. What the burden of that military expenditure did to all the other empires in the end, through the taxation that it brought back 
to the core economy on which it had been built, we actually eroded the strength of that core economy itself. And, the, and, and empires went into this pattern where initially they, em, they enriched their core populations. They, they established their empires and poured resources into the center, made people richer, which I think we were doing pretty well through to the 1970s. And then in that second phase, resources start to flow out from the center of the core and the burden of the military role becomes bigger and bigger and the empires, as it were, rot in the middle. And in that transitional period, people look for escapes, cultural escapes often, even certainly in the Roman case, and bread and circuses. And that's what we're seeing here. Great. Okay, there's another break here. I'd like to come back and talk a little bit about the decline of American culture, how you define that. We'll be right back to most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much, Christopher Cameron is my guest. The book is To Plead Our Own Cause, African Americans in Massachusetts and the Making of the Anti-Slavery Movement. Christopher, um, how influential were Calvinist ideas to the development of the black church and how influential were those ideas to the civil rights movement itself in the 1960s? Uh, Calvinist ideas were important in the development of black Baptist churches. Um, so the first uh, black Baptist church arose in Savannah, Georgia in 1775. Uh, and then there were a few more congregations throughout the South, as well as a Black Baptist Church in Boston in 1806 and um, and throughout other northern cities. So it was primarily important within that denomination um, during the early uh, late 18th and early 19th century, um, but it would not be as important in the sort of larger African Methodist Episcopal and African Methodist Episcopal Zion denomination. Um, there we mm -hmm. see a sort of move away from Calvinism towards more Arminian ideas that you can choose your own spiritual uh, fate, you can choose to be saved. Um, so they really start, most uh, black Christians in the 19th century would sort of move away from ideas of uh, predestination. One thing that they didn't move away from, though, whether you were Methodist, Baptist, whatever denomination, is the notion that God had a covenant uh, with the American people. Right, um, and that you had to mm -hmm. live a just and moral and virtuous life on an individual level and at the national level if this society was going to survive and continue to thrive and grow. 
right? So um, that idea sure. was really infused throughout black Christianity and would play a very prominent role in both abolitionism and in civil rights a um, hundred years later. And, and we see the same thing um, even among, you know, members of the Nation of Islam, black Baptist churches, black Methodist churches in the 1960s. There's still this powerful idea um, of a covenant with God. Right. And if Americans yeah. break this covenant through slavery or through racism and Jim Crow in the 20th century, then God is going to have his wrath against the nation. So it, it would certainly continue to play a very powerful role throughout black religious and intellectual history. <clears throat> I also think that these ideas and, and uh, you know, the covenant idea, the uh, atonement idea, uh, other biblical ideas, absolutely animated the public speeches and utterances of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and that mm -hmm. that was the moral underpinning of the whole movement. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I very briefly touch on this at the end of my book, but the activists that I explore um, in my work, Phyllis Wheatley and Prince Hall and Lemuel Haynes and David Walker, were really the sort of intellectual predecessors of um, the more famous people that we know from the 20th century, like Malcolm X or Fannie Lou Hamer or Martin Luther King, right? Um, these 18th and early 19th century activists really sort of initiated the uh, rhetorical strategies um, and the kind of re uh, the mixture of religion and politics um, that great civil rights leaders would employ a hundred years later. Right, and that uh, I think that this was really the this presentation more than anything else is what led to the success of the movement. I mean, it's uh, it was eventually embraced by most well-meaning white people, including people in the South who who were not that inclined, because it it, it resonated. It, it made sense. I mean, there was a moral component. Once that that's what won the day, and that's exactly what Martin Luther King predicted. Yeah, I think you're right, but um, you make it important point in saying it was embraced by most well-meaning uh, white people in the South, right? And how many well-meaning right, people there were is certainly up to debate, right? So um, even as sure, widespread sure. as the civil rights movement was, um, it was still not very, very widely embraced by all of American society. And we see at the end of the 1960s a very sharp backlash um, to the civil rights movement. Right, right. But I think that, and sure, I mean, this obviously it wasn't embraced, but I think it was generally embraced by, by the vast majority and because of its moral message. Um, and, and that, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's what made the change. Uh, you know, it's why we've rejected these, you know, the, the ideas that were prevalent before it, the Jim Crow laws. Um, mm -hmm. There are other reasons why I think people might have problems with the civil rights movement, but it's not because of the moral aspect to it. Um, you know, the, the the moral aspect to it, I think, resonated and became very much a part of uh, mainstream American thinking. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right, Christopher Cameron. I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Right, thank you. To plead our own cause. Thank you very much, sir. 
report is brought to you by Staples. More managers are encouraging sick employees to stay home, but your colleagues still came in with a flu, and <coughs> now you've got it too. The flu costs the U.S. more than $87 billion annually and is responsible for the loss of nearly 17 million workdays. According to the fifth annual flu survey from Staples, 60% of office workers attend work despite their illness, meaning the workplace's best defense is a good offense. Chris Carenti, Vice President and General Manager, Staples Facility Solutions. With a few easy steps, the spread of illness can be significantly curbed, leaving employees healthier and more productive. Staples encourages protecting employees during flu season through three measures, educating them about flu prevention, providing the right supplies and offering alternatives to attending work while sick. Providing hand sanitizer, cleaning supplies, and telecommuting options for the ill can help keep the office flu-free. Employers can also stress the importance of washing hands, taking recovery time, and cleaning shared surface areas. For more information, visit staples.com slash flu prevention. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Professor at Kent State University, the author of Complete Our Own Cause, African Americans in Massachusetts and the Making of the Anti-Slavery Movement. It's really a very insightful book, and um, I'm, I'm hoping to have him back um, soon once I finish the book. Um, the uh, I was listening before this program to uh, my radio host colleague, Jeff Cooner, on WRKO, debate Jeff Jacoby who's a conservative columnist for the Boston Globe and who wrote a column attacking Jeff and his rally on the State House steps here in Massachusetts, um, which was against uh, the illegal immigration, referring to them as nativist, referring to um, them as unhinged, and, and basically a, a very hard-hitting, nasty column. And uh, I thought that uh, Jeff Cooter had, uh, had uh, Jeff Jacoby on the program, they cleared away all commercials and, and calls and breaks, and they went at it for an hour and a half without a single interruption. It was one of the best radio segments that I have ever heard. Um, it reminded me of what WRKO did back in the day when my mentor, the late, great Jerry Williams, had on Governor Michael Dukakis. This was uh, 1989, 1990, around that time. And again, they cleared away all commercials, they cleared away all interruptions, and they just went mano a mano. Um, and it was just a tremendous, memorable radio moment. Uh, so I congratulate both Jeff Cooner and Jeff Jacoby. I've invited both of them on this program uh, separately. If they want to come on together, they're welcome. Um, and I hope that they respond because, uh, to my way of thinking, just from a sheer radio standpoint, this is the essence of what I believe talk radio is all about. You had a real argument on real differences presented by two very brilliant and accomplished uh, radio people who know how to handle themselves on the air and who are both intellectuals in their own right. And uh, I'm just uh, amazed that, that it took place. Now, in the next hour, hour number two here, we'll be joined by S.C. Sherman, who is the author of the book Mercy Shot. He wants to talk about Elizabeth Warren. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back after these messages. Listen to the Information Radio Network. Guys like us walk into a facility in the morning, we can smell a problem. No one needs to hand us a work order. We already know it. 
Today, for instance, we need a new gearbox, six globe valves, and a dozen ballasts. And when I smell a problem, Granger smells that I smell a problem. They help me keep this place up and running. Now that's the kind of smell I like. The sweet smell of success. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, clickgranger.com, or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Musicians, now through Sunday at Guitar Center, don't miss the big payback. For every $50 you spend, we're giving you $10 in Guitar Center bucks good towards a future purchase. That's right, we're paying you back up to 500 Guitar Center bucks. So come by and get hands-on with the gear you really want. From the best guitars, drums, keyboards, and amplifiers to the most state-of-the-art DJ, live sound, and recording gear. Because during Guitar Center's big payback weekend, the more you spend, the more you earn. In-store and guitarcenter.com. Exclusions and limitations apply. Visit Guitar 